Hi everyone, I'm Larry Walsh, and this is Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with thought leaders and experts about the technology and business trends shaping the world around us. Brands. They're more than just the names of companies and products, they are the embodiment of a company's mission and value proposition. Through brands, companies convey what, how, and why they make the products and deliver the services that they do. Some brands are so powerful that we think of them even when we're buying or using competitive products. You know, let's think about this. Q-tips are actually just cotton swabs. Kleenex is facial tissue. Jacuzzi is what we is really just a hot tub. Band-Aid, of course, is bandages. PowerPoint is, of course, that thing that we all get killed by in meetings and conferences time and time again. And you don't do anything else to find something on the internet except Google it. Building and maintaining a brand doesn't happen by happenstance. Brand building is something that takes careful consideration, planning, execution, and continuous updating. Building brands isn't something that happens overnight either. Marketers and brand builders must take value propositions and craft messages to different constituencies and audiences and push those messages through communications channels that reach the target market and continue to do so until that message is absorbed and internalized in the buyer. Joining me today is someone who knows a lot about the power of brands. She oversees a brand synonymous with photocopying and the printed page. Our old friend, Tony Clayton Hine, the Chief Marketing Officer at Xerox. Not only does Tony oversee a storied brand in the technology and business sectors, but she is charged with transforming the brand from one of print first to business processes and solutions. Hey, Tony, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, you know, let's talk about your role as the uh, the Chief Marketing Officer and your responsibility to the Xerox brand. Sure. You know, I mean, you've been around this for a while. You know, what are your priorities in in shaping and, and keeping that brand relevant and vibrant? Well, it's something that I think about every single day because we are in the fortunate position that Xerox is one of the most iconic and well-known brands. But what I focus on every day is defining and shaping what that brand means and what the portfolio delivers in order to be relevant every day. So for me, I think about our functional component of marketing in three ways. One, which is how do we uh, show what we deliver in a relevant, compelling point of view? How do we connect the brand and what it stands for and what we deliver all the way from the promises that we make into and in support of the field? And then ultimately, how do we prioritize the investments we make against the key growth areas or the growth initiatives that we're trying to work on? You know, I, I know it may sound a little pedantic, but how important is it to actually sit back and, you know, and define that value up front? I, you know, I think when you think about brands, particularly iconic brands, like you said, like Xerox, that you think that everybody knows what it means and that they, they have a clear picture going into it of, you know, what they get out of Xerox. But that's not always constant. Absolutely, especially in the technology space, right? And one of the most important parts of my job is to constantly help us ensure we're showing how that brand and the value that we deliver is relevant. Mm. So if I think about the brand value proposition, and I'm sorry, the brand promise, it would be that we innovate the way the world communicates, connects, and works. And so the way we think about that is back 
um, you know, 50 years ago that innovating the way you communicate and connect was a very physical act. Um, we invented the printing and copying industry. And so being able to show value was being able to help people leverage this technology to communicate and connect from a very physical activity. Today, we look at that idea of communicate, connecting, and working better as both this integration and the movement between what is physical and what is digital. Let's face it, we all talk about this paperless office, but that we don't see ever happening anytime soon. However, we think about the idea of digitization and even what we call digitalization as being more and more important. And for us, that means not just taking something physical and turning it into digital. So I don't just need a physical copy of my bank statement that now becomes a digital PDF. There's no value creation there. But if we're going to really help you communicate, connect, and work better, we need to then take that uh, digital content and then help you use it in a different way and help you add intelligence and analytics and software capabilities to that so that in the future, when you have much more of a focus on things that are digital, that that is content that is intelligent, not just something that's been transferred from physical to digital. So the value that we deliver as a company is still innovating the way you communicate, connect, and work, but the way that that comes to life today is going to be changing from 25 years ago to 25 years from now. And then how we show that value in the world is very is going to be very different. You know, it's interesting you talk about the the changing dynamics of brands and the, and the messages that back them up. Xerox is synonymous with photocopying and, and the printed page. I yes. mean, you're a noun and a verb, and, and you've achieved something that that few companies ever do. It's you, it's zero, um, it's uh, Google, it's Kleenex. I mean, and there's not a whole lot else out there that can actually make that claim. But is that also a limiter? Does that, you know, does that hamper your ability to change your message? It can be simply because it takes an extra step to help people define what Xerox means and what it delivers today. So um, just in the other brands that you talk about, right, the constant view for them is to showcase what does Google mean beyond a search engine and what is the value that it delivers to you when you are um, working online and having this very, you know, internet connected world. Same thing with Xerox, right, which is, yes, print and copying is something that we deliver, but whereas that used to be the answer, now what we focus on is how was that part of the solution. So we always say, if you're going to print and copy, it is an option, not the answer. And then we help build out the value around that. And in fact, it does take a lot of proof points and a lot of disruptive ways that we try to deliver that message because we need to interrupt your thinking around Xerox equals the verb to copy. One of the, the things that you're saying that it comes to mind is who do you have to convince more? Do you have to convince your internal constituents more than your external, or is it you know is that a different level of challenge in trying to convey that change to the two different audiences? Well, it's an interesting question about the internal audience because we have brilliant people that work at Xerox every day who probably fully understand more than the outside world. What does it mean to help you communicate, connect, and work better, and using this combination of hardware, software, and services to do that? 
But when I look at the external world, I see us break down um, our messaging for three different audiences, our sellers, our buyers, and our users. And so our sellers are, of course, all of our indirect routes to market, which include our channel partners um, from an IT standpoint. We have uh, dealers from a print-centric standpoint, and we have our graphic communications providers that are, you know, the various print-for-pay options um, that are out there every day thinking about how do I leverage Xerox technology to help drive profitable revenue and new additional opportunities for me. That's our sellers. Now, our buyers in the enterprise space tend to be more CIO, CFO, IT manager. And they're obviously looking for value relative to how do we help them solve some of this digital transformation, digital disruption that they're dealing with every day? How do we leverage technology to be able to integrate with their overall strategy so they can help drive and move the business? And again, very different from our users who are interacting with our solutions in a very different way, much more at a functional or horizontal workflow. So how you use our solutions, whether they're hardware or software in a hospital, very different than in an accounting firm, how you interact if you're a salesperson, very different than if you're in HR or finance. Who do you consider to be your primary customer, though? I mean, because when you're talking about your three different constituents, you know, your sellers, your buyers, your users... Is there one that has to be addressed first? We find that in the graphic communication space, it's absolutely our sellers because they make decisions on which technologies they're going to incorporate in order to deliver that final good um, or service to their customers in a marketing context. If it is on the office or the enterprise side, um, our primary buyer is really that CIO, CFO. So we want to convince them first how we are, how our technologies help them solve the overall solutions they're looking to deliver and support their users. But we also believe that the pull from the user is just as important. I often say to people, I don't want to be BlackBerry in an Apple world. I, if I just talk to that CIO about the security of the device and about what the device can do, and I don't have user engagement and pull, I haven't won. Right? I need both the push and the pull. So it's it's actually hard for us to say we just need one. We do know that we probably flex 60% of our efforts around that CIO IT audience in the office space or the workplace. But then we still need that user to contribute to the conversation. Isn't it difficult, though, particularly with like a company like Xerox, where you're known so much for that thing that you invented 100 years ago? Yep. Um, to then not, you know, it, it's a good goal, I would imagine, to say, okay, we do so much more. Yes. So come see us for what we're doing today and what we're going to do tomorrow. How do you also balance that against that brand perception that actually is carrying you today, that you're still riding that momentum? It may be slowing or it may be declining. It doesn't matter, but it's still contributing. Well, again, we look at, we don't want to walk away from the idea of print and copy. We want to frame it as, an option, not the answer. So every time that you have an interaction with the idea of print copy and the verb to Xerox, then you need to, it's my job to help showcase what else could you do with that information to help you achieve that goal. Um, so I'd say that we really focus on that. The other thing we do is really bring our 
connection to park and innovation throughout that story. So being able to show what's happening in the in the areas of park around different things like printed electronics, different things around um, defining IoT of the workplace of the future. And really pulling that forward allows us to create more of a disruptive conversation that says, here's the Xerox that you're traditionally known for. Here are the things that park is working on. And here's how that will inform um, and contribute to our future. Yeah, it's just so everyone knows. Park is Palo Alto Research Center, yes. which you know, which brought us actually invented things we take for granted, like the mouse and the and the uh, GUI for interactive um, interactive PCs. And right. I mean, there's so many great innovations that people don't associate with Xerox that came out of out of that Skunk Works. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say, you know, what they work on every day. It, it really contributes to what our roadmaps look like for the future. And it's because they have this idea that, that they talk about called ethnography, which is, again, a very user-based, human-centric view of the world. So when you talk about who's our primary audience, right, if you look at Park, Park's looking at that worker and the workplace and how they interact every day to develop new solutions, it's up to a CIO or an IT buyer to incorporate, deliver, infuse those types of technologies to support their distributed workforce every day. How worried are you of someone else defining your brand for you? Is there is there a risk? You know, what you know, in sales we call it competitive displacement. But is there that same danger of being having that message imposed upon you by competitors or by the customer that just doesn't understand? Well, it's it's not even that it's imposed. It's because we're so established as a brand and that when I make a phone call or when you see us on the web, if you just see Xerox out of context of what we deliver, it actually does ourselves a disservice. So we have ratcheted back traditional branding, like putting our logo in Met Stadium or Met Stadium? Uh, City Field. I think of Yankee Stadium. So, (laughs) so look, you're a Yankees fan. I'm a Red Sox fan, and we both know nobody goes to City Field. Okay, there you go. I think you should maybe cut that part. But um, so anyway, you know, we used to have a sponsorship with the Mets, and so by just putting the word Xerox behind home plate does us a disservice because it doesn't allow me to define what Xerox means today. Just creating sponsorship at Barclays or some other sports arena, again, out of context for the overall solution we deliver today, doesn't help us. So when I talk about one of our key uh, key areas of focus is prioritizing our investments based on our key growth areas, that's where we shift money and focus and, and activities to be able to put all the wood behind showing how we create a different outcome or how we contribute to the solution in the context of communicating, connecting, and work better. Over the years, you and I and everyone probably listening have seen different attempts at, at branding, at marketing, you know, conveying that message. Sometimes it's very product focused. Look what we delivered. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is look at the uh, the PC commercials from the eighties, and they're mm-hmm. all about features. Yeah, you know. And then you fast forward to a lot of things we see that today that are really aspirational that companies can't do. Yeah, but they want to be known as innovators. Right. You know how important is truth in all of this, and that that you align to what you're capable of doing, what you can deliver, or what the outcome should be. Well, we really look to align to the what the outcomes should be, and we really focus on what is the relevant 
uh, barometer of success today, which is not about the feature, but really about the experience that it delivers. So um, we look to stratify our messaging to be able to create a level of awareness for what Xerox is today. Then you double click on that to talk about how does that awareness translate to the solutions we could deliver so that you could consider Xerox, whether it's hardware, software, services to solve those problems, and then down your t traditional buyer's journey to talk about what's it going to take to help you decide Xerox versus somebody else within the competitive landscape. So I look at it as you need all ingredients to make the cake. And if I just did awareness without that additional consideration and decision, I would sound very aspirational, but you wouldn't necessarily know how I'm going to deliver on this promise to give you a great experience. Yeah. Um, if I just focus on the features and benefits, it won't be tied enough to the total outcome and, you know, what is the job to be done? What's the problem you're trying to solve? And then, because chances are that takes not just Xerox, but our partners and the other technology we integrate with, and how does that work in the broader solution? Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, nobody wants to be BlackBerry in an Apple world. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we could say nobody wants to be Blockbuster in a Netflix world, or, you know, there's plenty of examples plenty. of that. What mistakes have you seen when it comes to building and maintaining a brand or, you know, defining that value? What mistakes have you seen that others should avoid? Well, I think that it's constantly defining the value that you deliver based on what is important for that buyer and user today. So the idea that um, I talked about, which is you used to define success based on feature benefit. Now you define it on experience. So if you don't connect with that conversation today, then that's going to, that will hurt you, I think, in the long run. So being able to have this kind of bifocal vision of what do you deliver today? Where do you think the market is going? We have this benefit of Park, for example, that looks so far into the future that mm -hmm. allows us to create this roadmap. And so, you know, one interesting example is if I look back just from a branding standpoint, which is when Xerox called ourselves the document company, right? That was a defining moment for us. And so one would say, well, that was great for the time. It's probably one of the things I fight every day now that documents are not considered physical. They're most digital and physical. Documents are really more about content and information and data than they are about the paper it's printed on or the PDF you read it in. And so that branding element needs to be able to live in a, in, a, in a fashion that is independent from the products and services that you're delivering today. Um, you know, I wish we could keep talking, but, you know, there's only so many electrons on the Internet. <laughs> uh, you know, what advice would you give to people who are thinking about either creating a new brand or reshaping their brand? What, what is a good, good starting point? I think it is defining the, again, that kind of bifocal vision of, what do you have to deliver on today? Where, what's the value that you think you're going to be delivering in the future? In the technology space, um, we have so many more options to look at how we so solve that. One of the things that I think I would say is how do you participate in the overall integrated landscape? And so trying to be a it's invented here versus it's powered by you, it's enabled by you, it is it is enhanced by partially what you deliver, that is 
the branding conversation that will allow you to continue to move. Because even though if your partnerships change, the idea of understanding that you're a piece of the whole and that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, then that is a recipe for success. Very good. Tony, always great catching up with you. Thank you. Very excited to be here. And there you have it. You found another reminder that it's not just about making the copies by listening to us talk about brand building on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group, a global business strategy and research firm. I want to thank our guest, Tony Clayton Hine of Xerox, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for listening in. Please join us again when we talk with industry thought leaders and influencers about business and technology trends. And don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Pod2112 on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or wherever podcasts are distributed. For more information about 2112 services, please email us at info at the2112group.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Thanks again. I'm Larry Walsh.